You're listening to the Bonfire Podcast, fanning the flames of the gospel to the ends of the world. Come on, let's dive into the Word. Welcome to the Bonfire Podcast, everyone. We are glad that you are joining us for another episode. If this is your first time listening to the Bonfire Podcast, we'd encourage you to come in and to stay a while with us, listen to what we have to say. And if you enjoy what you're hearing and you're intrigued by uh, the content that we have here, we'd ask you to go ahead and to become a subscriber. You can do that by hitting the subscribe button on any of your applications, and that will allow you to get our content uh, delivered to you each week as we uh, produce new uh, episodes and we release those uh, every Sunday evening at 8 p.m. Eastern Standard Time. And so if you haven't done so already, please become a subscriber. We'd also encourage our listeners uh, to help us grow the community. Uh, so we have a community of, of uh, Bible believers and Christians who are studying God's Word uh, in, in kind of our bonefire nation, if you will, and we'd love to see this community grow uh, more. And so please tell somebody about the Bonefire Podcast. Maybe it's a friend at work. Maybe it's a family member. Uh, share what you're you're uh, studying and, and share what you're hearing uh, through this ministry, and and hopefully we'll pick up some additional listeners uh, because of that. And then always uh, we'd love to reach out and to connect with you. Um, if you have anything that you'd like to uh, say to us or discuss with us, we'd encourage you to send an email over to bonefireministries at gmail dot com. I'd love to hear uh, who's listening, where you're listening from. And if you have any questions that you'd like to hear us um, address on uh, on air, we'd love to do that. Now, we've got a new year coming up ahead of us, and, and so uh, we were actually just talking before we started recording today of kind of what the rest of the year looks like. And so we've got probably a couple more year, a couple more uh, days, not years, Lord, uh, in the series that we're in uh, right now, and uh, a couple more episodes of that, and then we're going to move on to some new content. And as we get into a new year, uh, we'd like to do some new things. And so there there may be something that you'd like to to hear us uh, talk about. Maybe is a, a doctrinal uh, question you'd like to see us address. Maybe it's a, a book of the Bible or, or a scripture topic that you'd like for us to to tackle. Uh, feel free to email that over to us, and we'll get that on the schedule and get that planned. And so uh, again, Bonefire Ministries at Gmail. Com. Well, Dad, we are deep into our study, a series by faith. This is our study through Faith's Hall of Fame found over in Hebrews chapter 11. And in recent weeks, we've looked at many great people of faith. And on this episode, we have another great example of a faithful life to examine. And that would be the life of Moses. Now, you know, Moses is probably one, uh, if not the most prevalent or predominant uh, character or figure in the Old Testament. The record of his life covers four books in the Old Testament. You can find the account of his life starting in Exodus. It goes through Leviticus, Numbers, and, and uh, over into Deuteronomy. And while Abraham, which we've talked about in this series, in our By Faith series, he's referred to as the father of the faithful and the recipient of God's unconditional covenant of grace for his people, uh, Moses was the man God chose to bring redemption uh, to his people and to lead them out of their captivity. God specifically chose Moses to lead the, the Israelites out of Egypt um, and into the promised land. And so uh, Moses is recognized also as being the mediator of the old covenant 
and is commonly referred to as the giver of the law. And so when you're reading a lot through the New Testament, you'll hear it referenced about Moses wrote or Moses said, and that's referring to him giving the law that ultimately came through God to him. Moses' role in the Old Testament is, is a type and a shadow of the role that Jesus plays in the New Testament. And as such, his life is definitely worth examining. Now, Moses was certainly a faithful person. He lived a faithful life. And you could even say that his very life was made possible by amazing act of faith. Now, our scripture text that we're going to be working through, of course, is going to come from Hebrews chapter 11. Today, we're going to be looking at verses 23 and and 29. But to kind of start us off here, I'd like to look at verse 23. And let's read that together. Hebrews 11, verse 23. It says, By faith Moses when he was born, was hidden for three months by his parents because they saw that he was a beautiful child and they were not afraid of the king's commands. Now, uh, we see here an amazing act of faith right here at the beginning of Moses' life. Uh, We first encounter Moses in the opening chapters of the book of Exodus. In chapter 1, we learn that um, after the patriarch, Joseph, who we talked about last week, after he rescued his family from the great famine, he uh, situated them um, over in the land um, of Egypt, and the descendants of Abraham lived there in peace for several generations until there rose to power uh, in Egypt a pharaoh who didn't know who Joseph was. And that Pharaoh decided that he was going to enslave the Hebrew people and use them uh, as slave labor to build his massive building projects. And because God had blessed the Hebrew people, they rapidly grew in in number. Uh, They were multiplying, and uh, that caused the Egyptians to become fearful of them. They said, wait a minute. Uh, there's becoming almost as many of them as, as us, and at some point they make uh, could surpass um, us in terms of number of people, and then they could overthrow us. So uh, that old pharaoh, the evil pharaoh, decided that he was going to make an order that all the male children born to Hebrew women uh, must be put to death. And so when we go over into Exodus chapter 2, we see that Moses' mother... Uh, she didn't want to, to have her child killed. She, she attempted to save his life by hiding him, kept him inside. But you can only hide a baby for so long, right? Uh, mm-hmm. he, at some point, that baby wants to make noises and wants to cry and wants to move around. And, and so it got to the point where she couldn't hide that child anymore. And so she decided that she was going to place him in a basket and put him into the Nile a river, and ultimately she formed a basket, and she made it to where it was waterproof, and it was flowed, and she put it there in the river. And Pharaoh's daughter uh, actually found uh, baby Moses there in the basket, and she adopted him as her own, and ultimately raised him in the palace of uh, Pharaoh himself. You know, Moses' dad, he was fortunate to have believing parents, um, as their faith. Uh, is what saved his life. They 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 That's knew right. that there was something special about this child, and mm-hmm. and that they didn't want to see this child killed. And uh, they took a step of faith and decided that they were going to put it in God's hands and see uh, what would happen. This is a great reminder uh, for all of us that though godly parents cannot pass on their faith as they do uh, family traits, they can certainly create the atmosphere for faith in the home and be an example to their children. Dad, I like what the uh, Bible commentator Warren Wisby said writing on this topic. He says, a home should be the first school of faith for a child. Right. And I think that's a, a very uh, wonderful quote uh, and a reminder for all of us that are parents 
that we have little eyes that are watching us and that this is a, uh, a this house that we live in and the family that we're raising it's it's a school uh, and we're and they're learning lessons each day by watching and seeing what we do and a lesson of faith is probably the greatest lesson that you can teach your young child is to teach them about faith and so ultimately, we, we know from Moses being here in Hebrews chapter 11, he went on to live a life that was characterized by faith. And in his life, we see three great themes relating to faith. We see the refusal of faith, the reproach of faith, and the reward of faith. And so, Dad, share with our listeners the refusal of faith. That's right. Well, as an adopted son of an Egyptian princess, uh, Moses led, as you can you can tell he probably led a very easy, easy life. But by the age of 40, he seemed to be torn between two worlds. Would he continue to live as an Egyptian prince or choose to be with God's people? Now, if he chose the latter, he would be kicked out of the palace and sent to live with the slaves for the rest of his life. Well, we read his decision over in Hebrews chapter 11, verse 24. The Bible says, By faith Moses, when he became of age, refused to be called the son of Pharaoh's daughter. It seemed on the surface that Moses was sacrificing everything for nothing, but in reality, he was sacrificing nothing for everything. As a missionary, Jim Elliott who was killed on the mission field in Ecuador, he said, He is no fool who gives up what he cannot keep to gain what he cannot lose. Moses, in his choice, his own choice, he refused the world's prestige to follow God, and he also refused the world's pleasures. I want you to listen to verse 25. Choosing rather to suffer affliction with the people of God than to enjoy the passing pleasures of sin. Now, sin is fun. It is pleasurable for a season. If sin weren't fun, hey, nobody would want to sin. In Pharaoh's house, Moses could have all the worldly pleasures he desired. But God called him to take a stand with his people. So he had a decision to make. It is relatively easy to say the Bible is the Word of God and I believe Jesus is Savior. But the difficulty comes when we say no to the pleasures of the world in order to live for God. When you say yes to God, you must say no to the world. Now, Jesus made this clear over in Luke 9:23. He said, if any of you wants to be my follower, you must turn from your selfish ways and take up your cross and follow me. Your cross is whatever makes it difficult to follow Jesus. It might be peer pressure or habits. Now, the Bible's full of people who said yes to God, but could not say no to this world. Over in 2 Timothy 4.10, Paul writes, Demas has deserted me because he loves the things of this life. There comes a time when we must Choose the world or choose God. We must decide if we're going to live for God. And if we do, we've got to say no to worldly pleasures. Now, the devil only wants us to think about short-term pleasures. He doesn't want us to think about the consequences of sin. Now, David experienced worldly pleasure for a little while when he committed adultery with Bathsheba. However, over in Psalm 51 Three, David described his long-term 
pain and the consequence of his sin. He said, for I recognize my rebellion. It haunts me day and night. David had to live the rest of his life with memories of his sin. Now, David would tell you that the short-term pleasures of sin, you know, does not compare with the long-term pain. Sin may temporarily thrill, but it has ugly consequences. God wants all of us to say no to this world's pleasures because he has our best interests at heart. Now, God knows the pleasures of sin will hurt us or perhaps destroy us. The point is Moses chose. He made his own decision. And one of the greatest gifts God gives us is the freedom to choose. We live in a day when it seems everyone uh, who makes a bad decision blames someone else. If someone robs or steals, it's because they grew up in poverty. The truth is we make our own decisions and are accountable to God for them. Matt, we've looked at the refusal of faith. Now you share with us the reproach of faith. Moses's uh, refusal of faith actually led to the reproach of faith. That, as you covered uh, in verse 25, it says that Moses willingly chose to identify with the Jewish slaves. And by doing so, he suffered affliction and he bore reproach. And so that means that it cost him to make that decision. It, it, it cost him uh, physically. It cost him probably um, materially, uh, financially to make this decision. There was uh, a cost to the decision that he made here, Dad. But what I find amazing about this uh, this reproach of faith is what we learn in the first part of verse 26. I encourage everyone to look over Hebrews chapter 11, verses 26. It says, Esteeming the approach, reproach of Christ greater riches than that that was in Egypt. Now, let's break this, this phrase down. I want to really look at it in a closer manner so that we get the true understanding of what it says here. And I spent a lot of time digging into this one today, Dad, because this, this small phrase here uh, has a whole lot of meaning. And as I looked at it, uh, looking at the Greek word, the Greek word that is translated esteeming means to count or to weigh the options. It was a, a mathematical term. It meant to think about it and to come into conclusion. And so we get this picture that Moses was carefully thinking through his decision. He was weighing out the pros and the cons. And he weighed what Egypt had to offer in the time against what God offered in both time and eternity. Ultimately, uh, Moses considered that it was better to endure the reproach that he suffered by identifying with the Jewish people than, than to be Egyptian royalty and hoping that he would see the fulfillment of God's promise to Abraham. Amazingly, Moses considered that all the pain and all the suffering to be greater wealth than all the treasures in, e in Egypt. That's a, a just a wonderful statement there. It's hard to believe there. But I want you to notice something. Uh, it says that then this this verse here, the phrase is the reproach of Christ. Now, obviously, Moses was not alive at the time when Christ was on the earth. So what does this mean? And as we dig into it deeper, we see that the reproach of Christ, it doesn't mean the reproach for Christ, meaning that he was suffering because he was 
serving Christ, it means Christ's reproach, that being that he bore the similar suffering, the mockery, the shame that was that Christ was was uh, endured when he was on this earth by making the decision to go with the children of Israel and to serve the one true living God. Mm-hmm. And then what I find amazing here is that same suffering and that same reproach is still bared by many Christians around the world today. But what's interesting is when we look at it in our immediate uh, uh, span here, here in the United States or in the Western culture, we've been pretty much sheltered from that, right? Mm-hmm. I mean, yes, being a Christian, we can say we've all had times where we were persecuted, you know, where someone kind of looked at us different or maybe called us a name like Bible Thumper or, you know, uh, you know mm-hmm. some type of, of name because we decide to go to church or that we don't want to take part in, in dirty jokes or evil talk and things like that. But most of us really haven't had to suffer for Christ. Mm-hmm. But this verse tells us here that Moses, he weighed his options and he says, man, I, I've got two options. I can live as royalty here in Pharaoh's house in the palace and ultimately maybe become you know, in line to be some type of royalty, mm-hmm. or I can go and I can follow God. And by doing so, I'm going to be put through pain and I'm going to put through suffering. But he said, after all of that, Mm-hmm. He determined that it was best and it was more valuable to him to follow Christ. And I think that's an amazing lesson for believers today. Men and women of faith often have to bear reproach and suffering. Think about it. The apostles, boy, they had to pay for their faith. Mm-hmm. I can't think of a single one that died a, a nice, normal, calm death. They were all either murdered or tortured or you know, at some point were ran out of places for their life uh, right. because people were trying to, to kill them. They had to, to bear the reproach um, in order to, to follow Christ. As you were talking, Matt, and, and you were, you know, uh, mentioning about Moses uh, leaving all that he had in Egypt, you know, the prestige, the pleasures, the, the power. I mean, he was a prince, but he left all of that uh, to be with God's people. And, you know, we talked about how last week Joseph reminded us a lot about Jesus because uh, of the things that Joseph did. But think about how Moses reminds us of Christ. Christ left the glory of heaven, the glory of heaven, where he sat on the throne. Yeah. And he condescended. He came He came down to this world. And the Bible says over in Philippians chapter 2, but made himself of no reputation, taking the form of a bondservant. Now, what were the Hebrews, the the kinsmen of Moses, his family? They were slaves. slaves yeah. So he was willing to live, leave the palace to become a slave to become a slave, like a slave. And that's what Jesus was willing to do because he had something uh, in mind when he did that, and that was to redeem us. And, of course, God used Moses to bring his people out, out of captivity. That's right. 
out of captivity. That's right. So Moses definitely was a foreshadowing of, of Christ. That's and, right. And, he, and that's why in that leading we talked about him being kind of a type or a foreshadow of Christ, because exactly what you explained there, Dad, the, the parallels between uh, uh, Jesus, you know, giving up all of his his royalty, uh, taking off his his cloak of, 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 of royalty and coming down and putting on the cloak of humanity and living amongst us as a, as a normal person, uh, that same picture there of, of, of Moses leaving the palace and going to be a slave with the children of Israel. And and so that's an important note there, that that's why that's there. The other thing that I, as I learned as I was studying is that, you know, we have to think about this uh, book in its entirety. Hebrews uh, is a letter. It was written to uh, the, the Hebrew Christians at the time. And these uh, group of Christians, they were getting of the opinion of, wait a minute, following Christ is causing us a whole bunch of trouble. Mm-hmm. And maybe we should just go back and do all the law stuff and kind of distance ourselves from Christ because following Christ is causing us to have a whole lot of heartache and a whole lot of pain. Mm-hmm. And if we should just go back to the law because mm-hmm. that's of God. Mm-hmm. And so the writer of Hebrews was saying, hey, wait a second, the one who very gave you the law, he decided to take on the the pain and the suffering, the same things that Christ had to endure in order to follow after the things of God. That is the lesson here is that following after God is is not going to be easy. And I, I just I, I get so disheartened at and we've been talking about it a lot recently that if you look at modern Christianity and the modern church, and I'm going to go ahead and just throw out some terms and some names here. So if you look at, you know, the prosperity gospel, you look at the the new apostolic reformation folks, um, a lot of the modernists out there, uh, they're presenting Christianity to be this beautiful uh, you come into to the family of God, and then all of a sudden, just blessings start falling from heaven, and you're going to get promotions, and you're going to get uh, health and wealth and all of these things. But in reality, that's not what Christianity is about. There's definitely blessings, mm-hmm. um, but there is there's hard times, and you're going to to face hard times as a Christian. The Bible says, you know, Jesus was hated, mm-hmm. and he said, they hated me, they're going to hate you. Mm-hmm. Right. And, and so... Christianity is not this thing that is just this illustrious life that gets presented in modern Christianity. Um, It's something that it costs you to make that decision to follow Christ. Mm -hmm. And, Dad, I was thinking about, you know, I I don't know how I got involved with this, but I I must have signed up for something on the Internet or something. But every month I get a magazine that's sent to me in the mail, and it's from an organization called Voice of the Martyrs. Mm -hmm. And uh, I don't know much about the organization. I can't speak for what they believe doctrinally, but it's a a Christian organization. Um, And that magazine details the lives of Christians that are living in other places of the world that are under severe persecution for following Christ. Mm -hmm. And some of the stories you read about what they have to endure, the the beatings, the the just the their government is after them. They they've lost their ability to have a family and a job, but they're clinging to the hope of Christ. And they said, you know what? Yeah, it's bad. We're in a bad situation. We're getting all this persecution, but Christ is so much worth it and so much more valuable. And it's amazing because we don't see that today in our time, and right. at least in Western society. Mm-hmm. You don't you don't see people that are willing to put it on the line like Jim Elliott did. You know, Jim Elliott was an amazing uh, person. If you don't know the Jim Elliott story, I'd encourage you to go look up Jim Elliott. There's a whole a lot written about his life, but he was that missionary as you said down to Ecuador. And Jim Elliott had the vision and the 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 heart for this tribe 
that was down there in Ecuador. And it was a remote tribe. They had uh, only made contact with civilization uh, on a handful of times where people had kind of brought gifts to them. But in every opportunity, an outsider tried to make contact with them. They were always killed. Mm-hmm. And so Jim had this this just desire to bring the gospel to this tribe. Mm-hmm. And everybody around him said, you're crazy, Jim. Mm-hmm. This is a death wish. It's, 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 you just shouldn't do it. But he believed that that quote that you gave there, Dad, about, you know, it's better to give up everything uh, to, that you can uh, that you can't keep to gain what you can't. He believed so strongly in the promises of God mm-hmm. and following after God's will and that the fact that this tribe needed to know who Jesus Christ was, that he willingly went there to share the gospel with them. And he ultimately was murdered uh, for it. And I just think about him willing to put his life on the line like that. You don't see that much today. No. You don't see that in modern Christianity. Yeah, we got missionaries that are in dark places that are going around the world. But if you look at your average run-of-the-mill Christian, they're not putting anything on the table. Right. You know, they're, they're, they're going to church on Sunday. They they spend an hour in church. They don't read their Bible. They maybe uh, will listen to a Christian radio station a little bit on their way to work. And, uh, you know, Christianity is just kind of something they turn on and off. We are to present our body, the Bible says, as a living sacrifice. Mm. Romans chapter 12, verse 1 says, this is Paul writing, I beseech you, therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, that you present your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy, acceptable to God, which is your reasonable service. Verse 2, And do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind, that you might prove what is that good and acceptable and perfect will of God. Well, obviously, Paul wasn't around uh, when, when Moses was living. Paul wrote these words, Many, many years after Moses, but it was as if Moses knew these words and lived by them. He presented himself as a living sacrifice. He refused to be conformed to the standards of this world. You know, one thing I want to say before we quickly move on, Matt, I, we, we kind of uh, moved off of the subject here, but yet God, I felt like wanted us to, to yeah. talk about these things. But, you know, Moses represents Jesus and the fact that Jesus left the glory of heaven and came down to this earth and he left, Moses left, you know, the the chair of the prince to become a slave. But you know what? When Jesus left heaven and came down to this earth, what did he become? He become like a shepherd. You know, know, the Bible says he is the good shepherd. Mm -hmm. He is described as the chief shepherd. Now, what was Moses eventually in his life? He was a shepherd. shepherd. He led the people of God out of Egypt, across Sinai Peninsula. He led them through the wilderness to the promised land. And uh, Moses was very much like Jesus in that he was a shepherd. That's exactly right. You know, writing about uh, Jim Elliott, I I was reading um, behind an author there, and it said that Jim had ultimately uh, seen through the lie of commercialism. He had seen the emptiness of all this world has to offer, and he had realized the far greater value of the new creation that God promises. And and I just thought about the similarities there. That, that obviously that's what Moses was seeing as well. As as I, I see all of this flashy stuff here in the palace, but I also see the promise of God, and uh, I'm going to go with God. And that that that's amazing, Dad. Well, I thought about one other thing, and I'll share it with you guys. Um, I had an opportunity uh, to to meet with one of my subcontractors who's helping build our house. Uh, nice gentleman by the name of Alex, and Alex is uh, from Ukraine. 
And uh, in the area of South Carolina that we live in uh, right now, uh, we have a large um, Ukrainian-Russian population uh, that is moving to our area. Uh, Great fine people, great Christian people uh, that are moving to our area. And uh, as I was talking to him, he's going to be, or already has done some firework work for us, putting up uh, some stone in our fireplace. I found out he was a, a Christian and a believer. And what's amazing is I never met the guy uh, before, but uh, after learning that he was a believer and I was a believer, immediately we had this connection. We we were brothers in Christ. Mm-hmm. But he told me something that was so interesting. Um, and he said, you know, he was born in Ukraine. He had lived there. And he talked about how tough of a life it was in Ukraine. And that when he came to America, that it was night and day difference, right? Just uh, there was so much opportunity, so much uh, to him. And he says, but you know what? He says, America is a test for me. And he says, because I have to to put in and I have to weigh the options. Am I going to follow God and keep my focus on what he called New Jerusalem, meaning heaven and, and the eternal things? That's right. Or am I going to chase the riches of this world? Because mm. in Ukraine, there was no riches for him to chase. Right. And so he was focused in on God, but he comes to the United States and he's got everything around him that he could go after. He said, it's a true test. Uh, to to pick which one you're going for. And so I I was thinking about Alex as I was reading this scripture because Moses kind of put in that same situation. Moses had all this stuff that he could look around him. He's sitting in a palace. He's sitting in in the the highest part of this this, uh, land of Egypt. He can see for miles around him. All of this is technically in his control because he's part of that royal family. And he says, do I go after this or do I go after the things of God? It was a test. And he weighed the options, and ultimately he determined that, you know what, I'm going after God. And yes, that's going to be a long, hard road, but it's worth it in the end. That's right. And one of the reasons why he thought it was worth it in the end, we learn in the end of verse 26, is that he was looking for the reward. And so, Dad, share with us the reward of faith. That's right. Well, uh, leading into that, I want to look at the last part of verse 26, uh, because that's where you uh, found that word, Reward, it says, for he looked for a reward, verse 27, by faith he forsook Egypt, not fearing the wrath of the king, for he endured as seeing him who is invisible. Now, one of the greatest pressures Moses faced in living for God was the pressure of fear, the fear of man. The greatest pressure you and I face as we live for God is fear also, perhaps the fear of man. Because God knows the pressures we face, he commands us in Romans 12 too, as I mentioned a while ago, don't be conformed to the world. Don't let the world pressure you into its mold. The world has a mold it tries to squeeze or pressure us into. It has a mold of how we ought to talk, how we ought to uh, how we ought to behave and and the things that we ought to enjoy. However, instead of conforming, we're to be transformed by the renewing of our mind by reading the Word of God. Now, according to Hebrews chapter 11 verse 27, the Bible says, For by faith he forsook Egypt, like I said, not fearing the wrath of the king, for he endured as seeing him who is invisible. That's the last part I wanted you to look at. You know, it wasn't easy for Moses to live for God. And sometimes he was discouraged. 
all of us get discouraged in our Christian lives as well. But when we do, we should think about Moses who rejected this world's pleasures and prestige and power because uh, he saw him who is invisible. Now, who is that? God. Moses kept his eyes on God and was looking ahead to his reward. Now, when we get discouraged, we need to remember 1 Corinthians 2, 9, which says, Eye has never seen nor ear heard, neither has it entered into the heart of man the things that God has prepared for those that love him. Moses made a good decision because his focus was on what was eternal. And if you do not focus on the invisible and eternal, you're likely to make a lot of bad decisions, folks. Now, Dr. Vance Havner, he once said of Moses, as we've been talking about him, Moses chose the imperishable, saw the invisible, and did the impossible. Moses' faith enabled him to face Pharaoh unafraid and to trust God to deal with the enemy. Now, after 40 years, he went from living on the backside of the wilderness you see, the first 40 years, he was a prince, and then he chose to, to side with God's people, his family. And, of course, he had to leave Egypt then. I mean, uh, uh, there was probably, you might say, a poster out on him, wanted, dead or alive. That's right. So he, he got out of Egypt, and he fled, and for the next 40 years, he, he lived, as I mentioned a while ago, a shepherd. He, he went from being a prince to a shepherd, and that's what Jesus did when he left heaven and he come to this world. Well, after 40 years, God called him at the burning bush to go back to Egypt. Now, he had to overcome his fear. Mm. But, you know, when God speaks to you through a burning bush that's on fire but it's not consumed, that gets your attention. That's right. He had trust in God, and he left, and he went. And God rewarded him with courage and endurance. He went up to, to Pharaoh right up to the throne room, and, and he demanded, let my people go. And Pharaoh, he said, no, of course. And God sent 10 plagues on the Egyptians to loosen the, the grip of Pharaoh on these slaves. 10 plagues before Pharaoh relented. God gave Moses that endurance, and he rewarded Moses for his faith with deliverance for himself as well as his people. After the people left Egypt, God required the Jews to remember the exodus, you know, their leaving, particularly the final night that they were in Egypt that corresponded to the 10th plague when God sent the death angel in Egypt to take the life of the firstborn of those living in Egypt. The death angel, as we find out in the Bible, passed over the homes of the Hebrews. The reason why? Because they followed the instructions that God gave Moses. And that was to mark their doorposts with the blood of an innocent, spotless lamb that died in the place of their firstborn. On that night, the Hebrews sat down to eat a meal forever known as the Passover meal. And they were to annually remember this great event of God's deliverance when God uh, sent the death angel and he passed over the homes of the Hebrews that had their doors marked with blood 
and took the lives only of the oldest and the Egyptian families. That, that loosened the grip finally of the Egyptians from these slaves. And Pharaoh said, go, get out of here. And they left. Well, God wanted the Hebrews to remember that great deliverance, how he delivered them. And they were to remember it by having a meal, sacrificing a lamb, remembering that night in which God passed over them and took the lives of the firstborn of the Egyptians, how God saved the lives of the firstborn of the Hebrews and ultimately saved the whole Hebrew family from their captivity. Now, after the Hebrews left Egypt, they came to the Red Sea. And the story goes, the Egyptians who... They changed their mind after Moses led the people out. And they thought, what have we done letting all this free labor go? And so the Pharaoh, along with his army, his men and their, with their horses and chariots, pursued after the Hebrews. And the Hebrews, they, there at that time, they were, they were standing right there at, at the Red Sea. They couldn't move forward because of the Red Sea. They had the Egyptians coming, approaching them, a great cloud of dust by their horses. They were breathing down their necks. They could all be slaughtered, carried back into captivity, the ones that weren't killed and and, uh, made to live an even harder life after the Egyptians had endured those awful, horrendous plagues that God sent upon them. Hemmed in between the Red Sea and the approaching Egyptians, God parted the sea, allowing his people to cross on dry ground. Folks, that was a great, great miracle. I want you to look at verses 28 and 29. It puts together what I just said. By faith, Moses, he kept the Passover and the sprinkling of blood. And I told you, after they left Egypt and they got to the promised land, they were to forever keep that Passover meal to remember what God did. Lest he who destroyed the firstborn should touch them. By faith, they passed through the Red Sea as by dry land, whereas the Egyptians attempting to do so were drowned. Folks, here's a great lesson here. Why would God bring these Hebrews out uh, to let them die at the Red Sea? He wouldn't do that. God leads us out that he might lead us in. And folks, You might be in some trouble in your life right now, going through hardships, persecution. Some people that are listening to this podcast, they might live in areas of the world where uh, it is easy to be fearful of man because of your stand for Jesus. People can persecute you and beat you. But listen, let me tell you something. God is with you. And uh, God will help you through the ordeal that you're going through. And he's not going to leave you where you're at right now in this suffering, persecution. He'll bring you out of it. And it might be that he'll bring you out through your own death, but he'll lead you to the promised land, to heaven. So I hope and pray you that are going through persecution that you will be like uh, Moses and have the faith to endure. God gave him the faith to endure, and he was able to endure because he was looking for that reward. What comes at the end? The promised land. And folks, we're telling you this today. Uh, You might be going through something now, but endure. Ask God to give you the faith to endure like he did Moses. Looking forward to that reward, God's going to bring you through it. That's exactly right, Dad. And so we've looked at Moses' life, and we've looked at, uh, you know, three things. We looked at 
the uh, refusal of faith. So a true faith in God, a true faith in Jesus Christ, there's going to be some things that you refuse to do, that Mm -hmm. you're going to say, no, I I don't do that anymore. I don't take part in those things. So there's going to be things that are going to be refusals. Uh, True faith in Christ and following after God is going to cause you to to have some reproach. There's going to be some some cost. Uh, It's going to cost you to take up your cross and to follow Christ. Uh, It's something that is not going to come easy. And then uh, lastly, those that are able to to continue a life of great faith end with the reward. And Dad, you did a great job of uh, wrapping up that reward there, of looking to the final reward. Uh, Moses was looking to the promised land and ultimately passed that to the, the new Jerusalem. And uh, that's the same thing that we need to be looking to um, as Christians today, looking for that reward, which is to live with Jesus forever, to have eternal life, uh, to get out of this world of pain, uh, strife, and and envy, and get over into uh, a new uh, creation there where everything is going to be great, and there's going to be no tears, no sadness. Uh, go back and listen to our our podcast on heaven. It's going to be a wonderful uh, place to be, and that's the reward for a life lived of faith. So I would encourage all of our listeners out there today uh, who have been listening to our By Faith uh, series uh, to really uh, take a measuring stick and, and let these these uh, heroes of faith be that that measure and, ho- and hold it up and say, where's my faith in comparison to them? And and uh, hopefully it will encourage you to be stronger in your faith and to to dig deeper into God's Word and to to put your focus in on God. Uh, we as we prayed before we got started, Dad, I I've been praying at least for the last week about having blinders and saying, you know, Lord, don't let me get distracted with everything else that's around me. Keep my focus on You. Keep my focus on on the things of eternal. And uh, when it, when I do that, it, it just allows me to grow further in my faith. And so. Uh, maybe that's the prayer that you need to be praying to, uh, right now is uh, that God would give you those blinders, that you wouldn't be distracted by the things of this world, and that you would keep your focus in on the things of God. So we hope that this has been uh, an enjoyable uh, lesson for you. We hope this has been a blessing to you and will help you in your walk with Jesus Christ. And uh, Dad, would you pray us out of here? Sure. Our Heavenly Father, you know, Lord, we love you, and we're glad that you love us. Father in heaven, Uh, We thank you, Lord, for what we've learned today from the life of Moses, the faith that he had. And, Lord, how he chose not to cling to the things, Lord, that are going to be perishing. And he gave all that up for the eternal. And, Lord, there might be some people out there today that uh, they're holding on to the things of this world that's going to pass away. Help them, Lord God, to realize that they need to let go of the things that would keep them away from you and come to you and put their faith in Jesus. And then, Lord, have that forgiveness of sins and that promise of eternal life and living with you in heaven forever and ever. Lord, there are others out there that are Christians that are enduring hardship, persecution in the countries in which they live. Lord, they're tempted to fear man. Lord, I pray that you would give them faith like you did Moses, who did not fear the face of men, but, Lord, uh, stood strong and had courage and had endurance. Lord, that's a gift, courage and endurance. Give those, Lord, that are going through a hard time of persecution that courage and endurance like he gave Moses. Please, O Lord, give it to us today, Father. 
even in America. We're going to need that if you tarry and come. And we ask all this in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you for listening to this episode of the Bonfire Podcast. We encourage you to subscribe wherever you stream your podcast content. Also, be sure to rate us on iTunes and Facebook so that others will know about the podcast. If you have a question that you'd like to see us address on an episode, feel free to email us at bonefireministries at gmail.com.